Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 12 of License to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? Not bad. It's uh, sunny and cool on this yes. St. Patrick's Day afternoon. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Are you, uh, I... you, are you doing anything to mark the occasion? I am not. <laughs> which is uh you know listen if you want to go like celebrate the holy feast of saint patrick that's cool uh i went to the saint patrick's day parade one year and that was enough for me oh yeah but i mean parades i think are bad in general but the saint patrick's day parade in cleveland is i i understand the the idea behind being charmed by it but uh it's almost never good weather in cleveland mm-hmm. on st yeah, patrick's it's day too, too early like every couple of years you'll get like an odd an odd beautiful day but generally it's not a great day yeah uh i actually i, I uh, a co-worker of mine was asking me like hey matt are you doing anything for st patrick's day this weekend and i said no i'm 34 like i don't want to go out to a bar on a day that is full of terrible people when I could just wait two days and go when it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did actually just come from a, a smaller house party where um, the hosts had been smoking a brisket and a corned beef uh, since 11 p.m. last night. No, see, that's great. Yeah, it was Small amazing. Small house party, smoked brisket. Yeah, I that's was... ideal. That's... <laughs> I was I, I had I had enough time to because they pulled it out of the smoker and let it rest for a while and then they sliced it up and I got a piece like right as I had to walk out the door to come here and do this and people were like oh man like the brisket just got cut why are you leaving I was like oh I'm sorry I can't he- help eat the rest of this like twenty pounds of smoked meat I need to go talk about Super Sentai well uh, I and the rest of us uh, the rest of the listeners I get we appreciate your sacrifice Matt I oh I'm looking forward to it though nice of you and I'm especially looking forward to it Dave because today we are watching episode 12 of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger called the signal man who came from space uh, Dave it was written by our old friend Yoshio Urasawa he is back He's back! Uh, original air date was May 17th, 1996. Uh, of course, if you're going to watch along with us, you can either do that on the, with the DVDs or on ShoutFactory.tv. But Dave, before we get to that, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, it's a baby watch. <laughs> We interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby Watch. Anyways, uh, I'm really excited. This is very cool. The babies are at that. I mean, they are always sort of growing by leaps and bounds, I think, is the... that's how babies do. Right, you know, like in that first year. But the big thing they have started doing recently, uh, and this made my English teacher heart very happy, was compound sentences. 
Ooh. They've been getting compound sentences down. So like the other day, Sugar Bean, she looked outside. She was like, dark outside, night, animals go sleep. And we we're like, well, lots of animals go to sleep. Owls wake up. She said, nighttime, animals go sleep, but owls wake up. So she got that that coordinating conjunction in there. Nice. And nice. then, yeah, and then the other day she was going to take her bath and she said bubbles in bath and I said no. And she said no bubbles in bath. Why? Because sugar bean eat it, which she does. Like if you put bubbles <laughs> in her bath, she will try to eat them. But like she got through like why no bubbles? Why? Because I eat them if you ah. give them to me. So uh, now how, that, how long, Dave, before you're going to start forcing them to diagram those sentences? Listen, people need to back up off of diagramming. Diagramming is an enormously useful tool. Dave, I, you, you're being a little too defensive here. I like diagramming sentences. I'm genuinely curious. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, probably not too terribly long. Um because it's a graphic thing. If you are a person that has like like wants to understand things visually, diagramming sentences is your friend. People talk about it like it's this big terrible thing. It's not. It's a graphic organizer, which is like people are constantly talking at educational circles about how you need to use more graphic organizers, like help kids turn things into like visual representations. But then as soon as you mention diagramming sentences, people are like, oh, no, that's old. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, diagramming, sen- diagramming sentences. It's like bullet journaling for grammar. Right. It's the best. I diagram. Like, if I see a sentence, there's something wrong with it. You know how I figure out what's wrong? I diagram it. And then, like, once I've diagrammed it, I'm like, oh, that's what's, like, that's what's missing. Or, like, that's what's wrong. Or, like, this is why that's incorrect. Learn how to diagram sentences, everybody. You'll thank yourself later. Right on. Uh, Okay, then, Dave, what is our second star of the week? So, (laughs) this is entirely less serious. So, I was at, this is a thought I've had before, but I had it again and I remembered to talk about it this time. So I was at Costco, right? Okay. As I often am. I know this of you. Yeah. And, you know, Costco, if you don't know this, Costco does sell a bunch of, like, food, but they also sell everything else. They sell, like, above-ground pools and, like, playgrounds, and you can get a car through there, like, whatever. But the point is, is that there's packaging... And there's, like, models on the packaging, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a picture of a pool. Here's two models. They're in the pool. By the pool. Have a great time, right? Sure. Here's, and I was thinking about this before when I was at a gas station, and there was, like, a little advertisement for, like, I don't know, the gas miles card or something. There's a model on that, too. But here's the thing. They're not, like... They're not super attractive people. They're like moderately attractive people. Okay. So they're not like your hot friend. They're like your like like your semi-hot friend. Right. Like listen, I'm not trying to like I'm not knocking on these people at all. Like these people are definitely of like above average object- objective you know, uh, attractiveness. That's not the point. Uh This is not a dunk on these models. The thing that is weird to me is that there is clearly enough need for people who are like, well, 
we do want an attractive person, but like, like at some point somebody has to say like, nah, no, actually not you. You're too attractive. Like you're, you're, you're blowing this out of the water. This is like a gas card ad. We do not need. Oh, I see I what don't you're know. saying. Giselle so Bunchen, the, like, the right, po- like Giselle Bunchen is too much. Like, you're too sexy. Right. Like, the problem is not like, oh, like we couldn't get the like the sexiest person. Like, we couldn't afford them. So, what's like further down on the list that we can exactly. actually this hire? Exactly. It's like Shell gasoline. They've got like right. gajillions of dollars. Like, the the dollar point is not the problem. The issue is they need to like find that delicate balancing point. Yeah, and so there's just gotta be like there's gotta be somebody who's out who's out there, and it and like they're having a conversation at a cocktail party, <laughs> and it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a teacher. What do you do? I'm yeah, I'm a model actually, and then there's like a a brief pause, and they get a look. And this poor person has gotten this look because the look means, really? You're a, you're a model? That's what the look means? And this poor person has gotten this look so many times. So many times. Like, sometimes they just let it slide, right? Like, they uh-huh, just let uh-huh. the person wonder. And then other times they do feel compelled to answer. They're like, well, I am a model, but like... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like a niche model f- for like moderately attractive things. Right. Well, you know, like, I, I, don't I think do... I think what's interesting about this is that it I think that it, it highlights the fact that being a mo- like if you are a model, your job is model. Your job is not hot person, right? Right. Because like you can be a hot person and have model be your job. But you can look like me and have a model be your job. I mean, okay, you can't look exactly like me because I don't have a twin and I'm not a model. So I don't think that, like... But you could be, like, right, in in that... Right, like, I'm sort of, you know, I could be in that zone for, you know, I could could sell you a Sunoco gas card, maybe. Right, see, that's exactly it. You could be a Sunoco gas card model. But I don't know how to model. If you put a camera in front of me, I get all weird. That's well, yeah, that's definitely true. You do get all weird. So, anyways, I was just, I was also wondering about like, are there any other fields in which, in which being sort of middle of the road is not only, is not only okay, but it's like actively desirable? Dave, I'll tell you what, if if I can find one, then I will have found my calling. Um, anyways, Matt, semi-attractive models, that's what I thought about for a weirdly long time this week. What, Matt, is our fourth, third star of the week? Dave, our third star of the week is a book that I read. I'm gonna do, gonna do a little book report for you here. Oh, nice. Um, Dave, I read a book called Grocery, and it's about groceries and grocery stores. Okay. But that well, doesn't... That's- that doesn't, All right, that's interesting. That was, seems like the sort of book that you would read. I was going to say, that doesn't, like, just because that's the topic doesn't mean that you shouldn't read it. It's good. Uh, it's it's actually, it's by Michael, Michael Rollman. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah award-winning. I think he won, won a couple of James Beard Awards for writing about food. He has won a few uh, James Beard Awards. Also, 
lives right here in beautiful Cleveland. Well. Actually lives, like, I don't know his address because that would be weird. But I do know that he lives, like, fairly close to me because I see him. Like, I see him just wandering around. Like, I see him at the farmer's market or I see him, like, you know, just walking down the street or whatever. And I do, I do have to repress the urge to like geek out a little bit uh-huh. because I am kind of a fan. You're the sort of guy who would geek out about a food writer. I understand. I am the sort of, yeah, precisely. And so it's like, there's like warring things. Cause it's like on one hand, it's like, dude, we're in Cleveland. Like we're just, we're chill. Like just be cool. And, but then on the other hand, I don't know. He might be in that like tier of fame where it's still cool to be noticed. Maybe. You know what I mean? I just don't know. I don't know any way to find that out, but I do just want to be like, Michael Rubin, I love your books. And then, you know, like, <laughs> just like jump into a hedge. Right. Yeah. Just. Um, anyway, the, the thing that is interesting about this book and you, you have touched on it. The thing that's interesting about it for me and potentially you is that since Michael Rollman is a like local guy, he grew up in the Heights. Um, I say the Heights cause I don't immediately remember if it was Cleveland Heights or Shaker Heights. Uh, uh Shaker, I believe. That makes sense. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah, he's a fancy the boy. book is about sort of like the the sort of history of American grocery stores and how Americans interact with like food and like the availability of food. And there's a lot of the, sort of like Michael Pollan-esque like food talk in it. Oh, uh, okay. That's maybe a third of the book. The other two thirds of the book are like a very like detailed case study where he's like, okay, we're going to talk about grocery stores, but we're going to talk about this one grocery store chain. And the grocery store chain that they talk about is Heinen's, which if you were from the Northeast Ohio area, you know, is like a big local grocery store chain, right? Yeah. So this whole book is kind of just a history of specifically Heinen's. And if you are a guy, like I know you are, Dave, who is from Cleveland and loves food, it's this really... Yeah, both of those things are true. It's this really interesting, like, local history account where it's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about, like... I interviewed a guy for a couple of pages about what sort of like food stores used to be on Coventry. Um, apparently there used to be a few back like during the depression. Um, anyway, this is all very interesting and I totally recommend this book. The thing that was particularly wild to me is near the end of the book, there's a whole chapter about produce. And as part of that, he was part of this conversation with the three guys who are the main produce buyers for Heinen's, right? Yes. And he was giving their names like, oh, you know, you know, X person said this, Y person said this, Z person said that. But when they got to the third person, I was like, wait a second. I know that name. And I, it's not like a friend of mine, okay. but like I definitely know this name. And I waited for it to come around again to make sure that like I had heard it properly. And it was the, the name he was saying was Terry Romp. Terry Romp. Was my, Wait a minute, I know that name. That was my first boss when I was 15 at my first job at Danny Boy's Farm Market. No kid, And his family, like, owned the place, didn't they? Yeah, owned it for, like, he inherited that place from his dad. And apparently, I think, still owns the building and just rents it out to uh, fatheads. Oh, no kidding. Wait a minute. I thought that that dude shut down Danny Boy's because, like, he was retiring or something. No, here's what's crazy. He is currently 56 years old. When he was my boss, when I was 15, he was a little older than I am now. 
And like having this weird realization of like, oh my gosh, he must have stopped running that store because he got a job as like the head produce buyer at Heinen's and didn't want to also like couldn't have his own grocery store as well. Like all of these weird things like clicked into my brain from like 19 years ago. Huh. That's why, yeah, I genuinely just assumed he shut, sorry, Danny Boys was like a long-standing, it was like a very, very large, like, independently owned produce store, but they also had like a bakery and stuff, it was actually very nice. Yeah, it was a great store, they used to get a lot of stuff up from Amish country, but that was my first job, my, and my job title in my first job was, and this is not a joke, Produce Boy, that's what it said on the pay stub. <laughs> Um, anyway, it was just this wild moment when I was reading this book, a book that I highly recommend. Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Matt, is that I am on, this is not a joke, Matt. I wish I could tell you that this is a joke. We are on a new level of, of whacked out diet. Okay. Albeit temporarily. So here's the deal. Beth is part of this very interesting like pilot study at uh, the Cleveland Clinic. It's called the Center for Functional Medicine. Uh, very briefly, the idea is that like, hey, remember when you had like one doctor that you met with for like everything, and that person just sort of like knew you and your history and could like keep track of stuff instead of meeting with like fifty different specialists. Right. Remember when we did that? Well, there were some very good things about that. Let's see what we can do to sort of like recreate that structure a little bit while we're not like losing the expertise of these very cool specialists. Okay, right on. You know, so like there's this huge intake process. It's like hours and hours and hours and hours of interviews and like tons of tests. Just like just all of them. Just do all the tests. Really try to develop like a super comprehensive history of like Beth, right? Gotcha. And her, like, whole, like, her medical universe. Uh, and the goal is eventually that, like, everybody will do this. Well, part of it is they're like, we want you to do, and I'm doing it with my wife because she's my wife and I love her and I'm supportive. They're like, we want you to do this elimination diet. The idea being, like, hey, maybe you've never talked about this to anyone but, like, you get upset stomachs three times a week, and you just think that's how life is. But it's actually because, like, you eat bananas all the time, and they, like, disagree with you, right? Okay. So the idea of this elimination diet is, like, cut your diet down to, like, very, very uh, simple foods. Like, foods that we sort of know, like, virtually nobody has any adverse reactions to. Do that for a few weeks, let your body reset, and then, like, like add pork back in. And if all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel miserable, you're like, hey, maybe you've got some deal with pork and you shouldn't eat it anymore, right? Okay. But, like, you just didn't know that you had to deal with pork because you've always eaten pork and you've always felt sort of, like, slightly miserable, but you didn't know it was the pork. Does this all make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah I gotcha. So we're doing this... Let me, t like, okay, here's what I cannot, here's what I cannot eat right now. Would it be easier to tell me what you cannot eat or what you can eat? Here's what I can eat right now. <laughs> Chicken. Okay, good start. Vegetables. Um, uh, like nuts, but not peanuts. Uh, coconut. 
and derived products. Uh, lentils, like lentils and beans. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, fish, but that's kind of out because I don't really like fish anyways. Uh, no shellfish, just like fish fish. Um, no alcohol. Um, the fact water. that you were, the fact that you were struggling to remember what you were allowed to eat after outlining six things does not give me high hope for the rest of the things. It's yeah, it's a pretty restrictive list. Now again, this is not like forever. Now here's okay. First of all, I like okay. The first thing that's kind of blowing my mind is how how actually largely okay I am. At first I was like this is going to end I'm this is miserable. Like I have twins. I'm insanely busy all the time. Like one of the few pleasures left to me is the pleasures of the table. And now <laughs> this stupid diet is taking away pork. Um but I actually am surprised at how like how not awful it is. Well, the, the thing, honestly, Dave, that seems the most awful is that the twins are not on this diet. They are not, <laughs> kind of, nor should they be, No, really. no. Um, um, but, like, the fact that you are having to continue to prepare these sorts of foods and smell them but not eat them, that has to be torture. Yeah, here's the two things. Okay, let me tell you the two things that are really killing, like, really genuinely killing me. The first one is uh, cream, like, no dairy. And I say cream specifically because, like, even actually not having cheese and stuff, I've discovered I'm – I like cheese and everything, but, like, I'm surprisingly okay with it. Uh, but no, like, cream for my coffee is a real bummer. And then the second one is peanut butter. Really? Because you're not supposed to do peanuts. I, I, I would about- not have – I mean, I know you love peanut butter. I would not have pegged those as, like, the big two. It's just, you know, it's like, I think it's because of the frequency with which I consume those things. Mm. Like, I have cream in my coffee every morning. And I don't I don't know that I eat peanut butter every single day. But more days than not, I consume at least a quantity of peanut butter. I really like it. Now it's only for a few weeks that we're gonna we're gonna start adding stuff back in, but I do know what is like the top of my list to like like what are we gonna try out first? These these two things, and then we'll get everything else back in. What? What Matt is our fifth star of the week? Dave, our fifth star of the week, it's a brief one. Um yesterday you and I helped our friends Bill and Jen move house. Yes, they just got a new house. It's like a mile from me. It's rad. It is rad. It's a beautiful home. But here's what else is beautiful, Dave, is that the last time that, like, that group of people all got together to help somebody move house, like, you know, that circle of friends, yeah. was quite some time ago, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but now... Well, Bill and Jen, this is easy. Bill and Jen have been in that house for 10 years. Yeah. So, the, okay. So, the, that's, a, that's a good, like, landmark. We helped move them into that house 10 years ago. Actually, we helped move me into that house, too, because I was living in their attic at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a miserable experience. Oh, yeah, dude. They moved in in, like, February. Oh, it was, a, it, was a, it was a terrible, like, weather day to move. But it was also, you know, like, 
a bunch of people in their 20s all show up in, like, their crappy cars and try to, like, pick up couches and, like, just do everything. And it was, like, an all-day event and everyone was just, like, tired and wet by the end. But this time, now we're all in our 30s. So here's what happened. They hired movers to move all the big stuff. They just needed help moving, like boxes that weren't easy to like have movers move and like you know fragile things like tvs and computers and stuff yeah so, so just here's like what happened yeah we all showed up in the morning in our you know like not like nobody's driving lamborghinis or anything but like everybody showed up in their like functional very serviceable cars right at like around nine suvs and station wagons Right, and we loaded those cars up with, like, one car load per person, and then we drove over and unloaded it in, like, 40 minutes, Mm -hmm. and we sat around and, like, drank a few Cokes, and then everybody said, like, great job, everyone. Like, high five, see you all later. See you later, and then we all went home. It was excellent. It was so good. Definitely the best way to move. I definitely recommend, uh, man... I, I have not I have not had the opportunity okay, Matt, I, I have not moved since I was in my twenties. Last time I moved I was in my late twenties. Um Here's what you're you, but let I'm me finish so your looking forward to not to just like paying a guy. Right. Yeah, let me finish that sentence for you, what you highly recommend. What you highly recommend, Matt, is being in your thirties. That's what you highly recommend. I hope you all make it, folks. Yeah, guys, listen, if you're in your twenties and listening to this, you might think like, oh, the thirties. Nine to five, I'll I'll die. No, you don't. You don't even understand. As tired as I am, it's because I have twins. Being in your thirties, working nine to five, is pretty great. Yeah, nine to five just means you get your weekends. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, you know what else is good, Dave? It's Car Ranger. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna watch episode twelve, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome to the first episode of a bold new direction for this podcast. Uh, we are now a Signal Man appreciation show. Yep. Uh, yeah, we changed over. We should have thought of a new name before we started recording this half. We didn't. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out by next week. We can't do the Signal Man who loved me. Uh, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah, Signal Man rules. This episode is called The Signal Man Who Came From Space. It is the introduction of a new supporting cast member. Um, and he rules a lot. Dave, let's get into it. So, uh, it opens up. This is a real letdown from that, that build-up. We open up at Pegasus Motors, where uh, Naoki is looking around for Kyosuke. Minoru is looking around for Kyosuke. What's up? It's Minoru. It doesn't matter. None of these Minoru, people sorry. matter. Yeah, They're yeah, not no, Signal no, Man. Right. Uh, Minoru, yeah. <laughs> They're not. Who cares? They're not signal man. Uh, Minoru is looking around for Kyosuke, and he's like, "Then the reason he is looking for him is not so that he can have Kyosuke do like test driving, which is Kyosuke's actual job, is because Minoru has sold some tires to a client, and he does not want to physically carry them. It seems like they should have a delivery car. They don't, because later on we're just going to see Kyosuke like hauling these tires around his shoulders to." To the client, I guess. But okay, now here's—I—I I, I hate to derail us so earlier in, in the episode, but do you remember a handful of episodes ago where they were training by dragging tires around? Yeah. Like at this point, hauling tires around—like if that montage worked, then hauling tires around should be no problem for any of these people. 
Well, it's still maybe just a pain. I don't know. Mitaru wears a nice suit, dude. Tires get dirty. That is true. That's actually what I'm going to choose to interpret this as. It's not a question of, like, can Mitaru lift the tires? He just doesn't want to scuff his nice duds. So we find out where Kyosuke is. He's taking a nap. He's just, like, off in a field taking a nap. Looks very nice. Which, you know, okay, here's the deal. It does. People, and you want it to be wonderful, right? You're like, oh, I'm just going to lay down in this in this field and I'll take a nap. Here's the problem. First of all, the sun is very bright. Not ideal for nap taking. And the ground, I don't know if you know this about ground, Matt, but A, it's hard. And B, it's where bugs live. Yeah, ground got bugs. You know, I, yeah. I always, there's this sort of image of taking a nap under a tree where so you're like your head is kind of like up near where the trunk is and you're yes, like your you hands are behind your neck good. and you've seen this in like movies and cartoons and you're like, I am going to do this, but that's where all the tree roots are. Yeah. They're worse than the ground. Now I will say I, I do have one shining example in my memory of like dipping out on somewhere to go chill in or around a tree. Well, yeah, if you can skip gym class to go sit in the big maple tree in front of your high school. Yeah, this is uh, this is a thing that uh, we used to do. We went to a small school where you could kind of disappear pretty easily. Um, and sometimes instead of going... In like a good way. This was not like a sinister oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. high school. No, but it like we would just, instead of going to gym class, when there were leaves on the big maple tree out front, you could just climb up in there and nobody could see you because there were leaves. So here's a crazy thing. This doesn't mean anything to anybody else. I just thought to tell you, you know Rachel's the headmistress now? Yeah, I do know that. Isn't that wild? Anyways, so Kyosuke is taking a deceptively bucolic nap, I will say. And uh, what we find in, but there's like some, some, I don't know, industrial tanks, like very large, like building-sized industrial holding tanks, like behind him. And Zelmoda appears, and he's got his Wumper Barrel vase, and he wumps them out, and he's like, listen, we're not even here to, because he doesn't know Kyosuke's there. He's talking to the Wumpers. He says, listen, uh, we're not here to fight. Y'all have just been in the vase for a week, and you smell gross. Right. Like, we're just here to air out the Wumpers. That's all that's happening. We can't do it on Barabari, and I don't know why. Well, it, that but... does not seem like a place with nice fresh air. Yeah, so he's like, we're going to air you guys out, then back in the vase. So Kyosuke hears them and has what I can only describe as like a D&D moment, which is he sees the bad guys and just immediately, like he doesn't try to find out what's happening. It's like when D&D players see goblins. They're just like, oh, goblins. Gotta kill him. Gotta kill him. Why? You gotta. I mean, gotta kill him. It is very believable in this case because he's just woken up from a nap. And you know how when you wake up from naps, like you just start responding to things without really thinking through them. (laughs) This is a post post nap fighting. He just wakes up. He's like, oh, Zomoda. Oh, I'm in a fight. (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) so he just like jumps up, and he tensions, and they just start fighting. Uh, you know what I never noticed before? I had noticed that Zalmoda's sword is like stacked cards. Mm-hmm. I did not notice that the handle to his sword is like the ace of, of spades before. Oh, I don't think I've noticed that either. Yeah, well, it is. 
So, so they're, they're fighting. Yeah. They, they end up in like a warehouse or something. The warehouse is foggy for no reason. Right. It's, you know. Uh, so they're fighting. And then we hear traffic signals. A siren. Or, uh, not signals. Sirens. And Zalmoda starts to flip out a little bit. He's like, no. No, it couldn't be. Not it him. It couldn't be. Not him. And and this traffic cop arrives. He looks amazing. He, he looks like a male version of RC from the Autobots. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Dave, I want you to Google something for me while, yeah, while we're live on air here. I'd love to. I want you to Google Space Sheriff Gavin. That's G-A-V-A-N. Uh, I didn't even need to finish it. It just t- it filled it in for me as soon as I hit Space Sheriff. Well, Space Sheriff Gavin looks cool. Also kind of like RoboCop. Okay, here's the thing with Space Sheriff Gavin. There are three main Toei Tokusatsu series. There is Super right. Sentai. There's Kamen Rider. And there's Metal Hero. Yes. I don't know. Be- I know even less about Metal Hero than I do about Kamen Rider. Okay. I know it's usually he's like... A space cop, basically, yeah. right? So, Signal Man. Yeah, so like that's what it is. Like, they're usually space cops. Sometimes they're also like bug themed. Uh, Big Bad Biddleborgs was a like weird adaptation of a Metal Hero series. Oh, okay. Um, they're like the Common well, Rider is also bug themed. Yes, but that is, un- I mean, it's related in that it's the same company, but uh, it's like specifically Grasshopper themed. Common Rider has, I think. From what I understand, originally Common Rider's mask was supposed to have been like skull shaped, and then the either the publisher of the manga or like the producer of the TV series was like, ah, maybe don't do that, and so that kind of got turned into a bug thing. Sure, why not? I read that sometime. There's probably someone listening to this podcast right now saying, "Matt, that's dumb. You're very wrong," and I might be, but I'm just gonna roll with it because neither of us can correct this right now. Uh, feel free to tweet at me later. Um, anyway, so Space Sheriff Gavin is the first of the uh, Metal Heroes. And I really get the vibe that Signal Man, like in this series that is kind of a like self-paradizing spoof on Super Sentai, Signal Man is kind of a spoof on the Metal Hero series that got plugged into it. I don't know if that's oh. I don't know if that's actually true or if that was the inspiration behind this character, but it's definitely the vibe I get. But he also looks amazing. Like that is not to say that he looks goofy and dumb. He looks radical. Uh, if you watched Power Rangers Turbo, this is the Blue Centurion. That was his name in Power oh. Rangers. Okay, cool. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, yeah, so he looks like a male. If RC was a dude, but also a police car. Yeah. But he doesn't look like Prowl. Correct. He does not look like Prowl. He specifically looks like RC, but a dude and a police guard. Yes, see, he has he has lights everywhere. Like just ev- just everywhere on him is a well. I mean, he's Signal Man, right? right? He, is the traffic signal lights? Yes. Anyway, so he shows up, and uh, I am very happy to see him. But Zomota is not happy to see him because he is the space sheriff from Planet Police. Or is it the police planet? I, I was writing my notes kind of quickly. It's a uh, police planet, I believe. So Zomoto recognizes him. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is very bad. 
Signal Man commands them to obey the traffic rules of justice, which I appreciate. Love it. But Zelmoda and the Wumpers are not into doing that. Yeah, the Wumpers aren't into it. Uh, it does not matter what they're into or not. Because Signal Man does not care. Because he d- destroys them. Yes. Uh, he has... His weapon is like a combi weapon. It's like a, a stick and then like an electric... Like, police baton swings out of it, and then also we'll see later he can turn it into a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just ruins these fools. Yeah, they're trying to get away. They cannot do it. He is really just taking them apart. At one point, he just, like, he shoots a bunch of them with his gun, and then he turns to the camera and says, I am strong. <laughs> he's got a... Oh, he's also got a great... Uh, he's got his own theme song. The only part of which I could catch was Signal Man, but it is a it's a good song. So the Wumpers and Zelmo to flee. They 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 have no chance. This is not happening. Right. They just They're came out. down right. here to like air out their boots. They did not anticipate running into a space cop. Yeah, and so Red Race is like he's just been watching. Kyosuke has not done anything throughout this. He's just kind of been in awe of Signal Man. When the Wumpers run, he's like, oh, wait a minute. I got this. I got this part. I'm good. He gets in his car. Oh, sorry. I, we forgot to mention Signal Man has like a totally sick motorcycle. Yes. So Red Race is like, hey, great job, whoever you are. Uh, I got this part, though. And he like hops in his racer machine and, and drives off to catch the Wumpers, presumably. The next shot we see is him driving and we see Signal Man coming behind him with his lights flashing, and he pulls he pulls Red Racer over. Yeah, he's like, man, do you know how fast you were going back there? Come on, dude. And Red Racer's like, dude, I'm the Red Racer. I'm part of the Car Rangers. Right. And like, Signal Man's like, I gotta go chase the the Wumpers and the Bozoak. Yeah, he's like, so Signal Man says, like, first of all. How do you even know who the Bozoak are? Second of all, who who are you and who are the Car Rangers? Third of all, even if you are... Oh, there's an amazing spot where Kyosuke is trying to like explain who he is. And he goes through the whole Car Ranger pose. Yes. The pose that they do when they transform and like are about to and, fight. And, like, announce themselves. And, so, and, and then every time Signal Man refers to him, he does, like, a little fake-out mocking version of it. It is extremely well, I can't tell if he's choice. mocking him or if he's just like, you're the Red Ranger, and he, he does it. Right, he's like, this is how you say your name, okay. Like, all right, I'm culturally sensitive. You do a thing when you say your name, great. Uh, the, thing he is, the thing he is not able to pick up on is how to pronounce the word Earth. He... Like all of the Bozo, and I guess maybe just everyone from space cannot figure out how to say the word Earth. Um, and so, like, Kyosuke is trying to explain this, and he doesn't have time to convince Signal Man that it is pronounced Earth and not Ursh. And of course, this is, you know, I'm going off the subtitles here. There is a similarly, like, pronunciation, there's a similar pronunciation weirdness with the actual Japan that they're, Japanese that they're speaking. Um, but at some point, Kioski says, like, no, I'm, I'm from Ursh. I'm the Ursh guy. And Signal Man's like, oh, right, of course, the planet that we're on. And then Kioski gets furious that he has somehow, like, been, like, not duped, but reduced to, like, saying the name of his own planet wrong because this guy refuses to listen to him. And they just start bickering about kind of everything. 
Because Kiyosuke is trying to assert that he is important. And Signal Man does not care and is super condescending. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, at this point, the other rangers have shown up. And they're sort of like holding Kiyosuke back. <laughs> and and the, like the, the conversation has just become that... that like Signal Man doesn't care. He, he just doesn't care about them because he's like, no, I'm I'm the police. I don't know who you guys are. He says, what you should do is just sit back and eat Cantonese noodles. Let the police take care of this. Oh. I am I am gobsmacked by the fact that he references Cantonese noodles. That is also in my notes. I don't, like what in the world. Is go- are they just I mean, not what no, the, not what in the world? What in the world is easy? That's Cantonese noodles. What in Planet Police is Cantonese noodles? Right? Are they just that good? I mean, that sure. They've heard of them? They could be. <laughs> they, they cannot pronounce the word Earth. They don't know who the Car Rangers are. But the news of Cantonese noodles has made made it far across the universe. Okay, listen. Uh. Think about the existence of Chinese food in America, Matt, and I think you will find that the fact that the planet police really (laughs) like Cantonese noodles is entirely reasonable. So so we go from there to Barbarian, and Zalmoda is there. They're in the BB saloon, and, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Signal Man is back. He's the biggest jerk in the universe. He's such a square. And then we have this amazing montage of Signal Man just giving all, like they drive in space. This, by the way, I have, we have put together, their cars are just like spacecraft. Yes, they they have wheels, so they can drive, but they also just fly through space. Yeah. So uh, we just, this has this amazing montage of, Signal Man just giving them all tickets. Uh, Signal Man does say, I will terminate them with my uh, violation tickets. Uh, which I think is extremely good. Like, man, I don't know if a traffic ticket can terminate someone, but if it, if anyone can pull that off, it is Signal Man. So, uh, and then we so he's given them all tickets. He puts a bunch of them in jail over time. And we also find out why President Gynamo in particular hates Signal Man. And the reason is, is he was going a million miles over the speed limit, mm-hmm. President Gynamo was, and he's like, I'm the biggest, I'm the baddest, I'm going to get the worst ticket, I'm going to drive so fast. Like, right, he's the leader Signal of the bozo, Man- he's a reckless driver. Right, he's like, Signal Man will recognize me as the most reckless driver. This will really brush up my Bozoke resume, mm-hmm. right? And so Signal Man pulls up beside him, and President Guy was like, get at me, copper, I'm driving a million miles over the limit. And Signal Man says, like, yeah, just like put your seatbelt on, and then drives away. Gynamo is furious right. that he does not get the criminal recognition that he feels he deserves. Right. Getting let off with a warning was just, like, unforgivable. <laughs> Such an embarrassment. And so he's like, okay, okay, now that Signal Man is here, I've got a plan for this guy. I've been preparing. We have been conditioning a monster called Yu Yu Wudin. 
Uh, and he is just going to straight up murder Signal Man and eat his bones. Let's do this. And now we, we, we meet Yu Yu Warren. Um, he is not going to go particularly high in the Creature Royale because he's just like a big slobbering beast. Right? Yeah, like he does not. Yeah, like he's just a dog on a leash. That's all that's going on with him. He's green. His back is sort of like a weirdly shaped turtle shell. Most of his front is a giant mouth with giant teeth. I think that's kind of all you need to know about him. He's in a cage. They feed him a traffic signal light. And they're like, okay, now that you've gotten the flavor of that, go down to Earth and, like, murder and consume Signal Man. Which is a little bit, I mean... Yeah, sure. Whatever. I, I, I think guess. the bad guys, of course. Right. This makes it makes as much sense as anything else. So uh, we find out he calls himself, by the way, Signal Man. He calls himself Signal Man Police Coban or Coban, uh, K O B A A N. Yeah, which and, the uh, subtitles write down as Coburn, like James, after yeah, James Coburn, I w- and I don't know. Right, I was also confused by that. So we see Signal Man, and he says, ah, Coban Blease complete. And it's like a closed-in shot, and he's like standing in front of this like doorway, and it says like Coban Base on the side. And then it zooms out, and it's it's like a booth. It's like a toll collector's booth. Yes. This is the entirety of Coban Base. Uh, we go from there back to Pegasus Motors, and Kyosuke is still mad. Right. He, feel, he, he feels is- insulted. Right, he is he is the hero of this planet. How dare Signal Man also be a hero? And then Dapu rolls over, he's like, Hey man, pill out, dude. Pill. And they just look at him like, Oh no, 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 Dapu, it's it's chill. That's that's chill what you mean to out. say. It's not a great joke, but I do this particular instance of it is not a great joke, but I do love the continued insistence that no one from Earth can pronounce Earth words. So, uh, Minoru is like, listen, could you just, can you carry these tires over? Like, we've got this customer who wants these tires. And Kyosuke's like, fine. So, he's, he's walking with, he, he leaves with the tires. We go back to Signal Man, and an old lady walks up to Signal Man and says, like, hey, uh, I'm lost. This is where I'm trying to get. Do you know where this is? Somehow, Signal Man knows he's already, I don't know, he downloaded the map. Right. He knows what's up. He says, oh, yeah, that's not actually very far from here. I'll take you because he is a responsible policeman here to serve and protect, right? Yes. As they are walking, Kyosuke sort of like sees them in the distance and is like, signal man sighting this jerk. And he calls it into the rest of the car rangers who all like get the message, look down at their Excel changers and are like, I don't know. What what are we supposed to do with this information? I guess, I guess we should go. So Kyosuke starts tailing them because he doesn't, I don't think that it's that he doesn't trust Signal Man. I think he's just mad at him. Right? Like, it doesn't seem as though he thinks Signal Man is going to do something nefarious. He has no reason to believe that. Yeah. He just maybe wants to, like, be there if there's an opportunity for heroism. Like, be, like, waiting on the wings, like, aha, now now is Kyosuke's time to shine. But it is not Kyosuke's time to shine. It is still St- Signal Man's time to shine. Um, they get to where the map was leading them, 
And as it turns out, the old lady was not an old lady at all. It was a white wumper who had, like, shape-changed into the form of an old lady. And then, suddenly, Signal Man is surrounded by wumpers. And Zomoda is there. And Grotch. And President Gynamo. And Yu Yu Wurin is there. And they're all about to kill Signal Man. Except that Signal Man is extremely good at his job. (laughs) Yeah, uh, like... They do try to fight, and it doesn't... He just, just, like... They all try to stab him, and he just jumps up, and they all miss and stab each other. Uh, and then... Yeah, like, they just can't do anything. Signal Man is too good. Yeah, there's... This is not the bit where he... Okay, no. he The very cool thing he does is in a minute. So, all of the other car rangers show up. They're like, oh, yeah. There's Signal Man. He's fighting the Bozoak. We should probably go help him, right? And then, one by one, they all say, yeah, yeah, okay, let's go help him. And as they go over to the fight, Signal Man's like, hey, Bozoak, chill for a sec. I gotta go talk to these chuckleheads. Wanders over to the car rangers. He's like, hey, guys, I appreciate what you're doing here, but um, I'm taking care of this. So, Wait, like, leave this to the professionals. Right. Like, you stay behind this line. Uh, just sit back and enjoy the artistic way that I fight. And they do. Like, he pulls out his, like, rod, and he literally, like, scratches a line into the dirt. He's like, don't go past this line. Like, official police business beating up the bad guys happening over here. You guys stay on your side of the line. Yeah. And And it's great because they do. Like, they're just sitting watching. They're like... Why he is really good. And I think it's Yoko very, very good keeps like w- stepping over the line and everyone's like, no, don't step over the line. He's going to come back and be mad at us. <laughs> um, eventually, they do get sort of irritated enough about this. It's like, you know what? Okay, like we're just, like we can just leave, right? Right. We, like, he seems like fine. Like, this dude has told us he doesn't want our help. He clearly doesn't seem to need our help for anything. Like, let's just let's just roll, man. We're good. Right. So they all start to walk away. As they're leaving, uh, I don't know if the, uh, the Bozoak know that they now have a better opportunity or if this is complete happenstance, but they finally, like, everyone grabs a chain and they all throw their chains at Signal Man. And they're able to sort of like tie him up, and they're shooting him with electricity and no, lasers. No, this is like this seems to be the plan. Yeah, yeah. No, they they seem to have planned this part. And they're about to like really get him, right? Like this is it's not looking good for Signal Man, but he has collapsed right next to his police whistle. Yes, and he manages to like pick it up and drag it to his lips and sound the alarm, and then. To his rescue come not the car rangers, but his motorcycle. Yes. Uh, so this motorcycle just rolls up and it activates. I didn't. I didn't catch the name of it. Um, but it, it. He just like it like laser blasts everyone. Uh, it's great. He sort of jumps then, on it as it's driving past, and he. What what does he call this series of techniques? The death blow signal shoot. Man, I forget. I just I just wrote down drive by mode activated because he's just driving and he's doing like old timey western style trick riding. He's like turned around on his motorcycle, shooting people. He's like leaning around the back. It's uh, so good. It's very very good. And basically, as soon as he gets on this bike, 
it is now even more overmatched. Like, nobody has any chance. Um, he takes everybody out, and then Grotch somehow is there, and he's like, oh no, you, you were in. Like, get some emo yokan in ya. So he gives, he gives him the emo yokan. And this is actually the first time that we see Signal Man sweat a little bit. Right, because at least so far in this episode, and I don't know how it's going to shake out because this is, I haven't watched any past this episode. So far, Signal Man is like unstoppable on the ground, but now he is facing a giant monster and he gets really incredulous about it. He's like, hey, what are you doing up there? I didn't give you permission to become a giant. Like, how dare you? You have violated the sanctity of this fight. Yeah, um, I mean, Yui Warren is like a slobbering berserker monster, so he doesn't care. Um, but yeah, Signal Man has no giant option. Like, this is not in his arsenal. Uh, but thankfully, the Rangers do. So they show up, or the, he actually calls down to them. He's like, hey, uh, if you guys are still there, if you have a way to deal with this, that would be great. Right, because at this point, Kyosuke has like dragged all of them back to the fight. Because uh, I think, like, he still is like, no, if they if there's a time for me to shine, I am going to do it. So they summon the the uh, RV Robo, and then, I mean, you know, after they summon the RV Robo, this is episode 12, nothing can beat the giant robot yet. Give it a few more episodes and there's bound to be something that knocks RV Robo over or, like, breaks his arm or something. But at this stage in the series, like... Once you get Giant Robot in the game, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so they they take out you you were in. Um, that's, you know, that's that's over and done with. They, they all get back to the ground, and they're sort of standing in a circle, and Signal Man says to the current rangers, like, okay, like, that was great. Thanks, everybody. Let's all now work together in the future so that we can all beat the Bozoke as a team. Uh, and they also like put their hands into a circle. They're like, yes. Okay. Team. <laughs> and then Sigma Man like looks behind them. He's like, Oh man, are those your, those are cars over there. All parked over there. Like, yeah, man, those are our speeder machines. There are cool machines. Like, yeah, cool. Those are all parked illegally. I'm going to have to go give you all tickets. <laughs> and like pulls oh out his gosh, book of tickets. So good. And uh, does he? No, they all scramble over to their cars and like hop in and drive away. No, they all yeah. just—they all manage to move. And, and then he like chases them down the road. Like, no, you need to pay. And I don't know who they would pay that ticket to, right? Because he is not a Tokyo policeman, and I don't think that they have the capacity to like put their fine in an envelope and mail it to Planet Police. Anyway, yeah, I man, I don't, I don't know. Like the whole existence of like an interplanetary police force. This is why like the Green Lanterns are weird because they're like we're just the police of space, and everyone's like, what? I mean, who appointed you? And they're like, well, we've got these power rings, <laughs> so why don't you try and unappoint us if you feel like it? And everyone's like, well, I mean, I guess not. We've got these little blue guys, and their heads are enormous. So. So, so anyway, anyway, that's the end of the episode, but it's not the end of our episode because we ha actually have a little catching up to do. We do actually have a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, uh, we have got to hit the monster, the creep, the monster, the creature royale. Yeah. So last week we were sort of on a time crunch and we were not able to complete the creature royale uh, for PP Rapa. 
Uh, and I would like to talk about him because you, you, let, let's quick throw you, you weren't on the list. Uh, he's a whole lot of nothing, right? Yeah. Like he's, you know, listen, uh, I'm going to say that you, you weren't will be at the bottom of the list, just above the monsters that are like destroyed by their own powers. Where's uh, torpedo piranha. Torpedo Piranha is 147, just above Barra Ivy, Laser Lizard, Father Magnet, Barra Vacuum, Barra Guard, and General Cactus slash Barra Nightmare. I think that, man, um, I think he's either right up. Let's see, Voice Dimension is creepy and bad, or like, you know, Voice Dimension, there were some good ideas in him, but he was just like a genuinely bad person. Um... Which one was M.M. Mogu? He was the E.D. one. He's the one who sort of like first discovers the Emo Yokan. So I'm going to say he's below M.M. Mogu, but above Voice Dimension. Because M.M. Mogu at least like discovers the thing about the Emo Yokan. Yeah. Yeah, that seems Or right. he's in that episode. I mean, Grotch actually figures it out, but whatever. Um, okay, so you, you were in slot number 146. He's dumb and lame. Okay, now, P.P. Rapa was good. Yes, P.P. Rapa was very good. He had lasers that were numbers that would change numbers into other numbers. And then he could summon giant things that were the shape of numbers. And those things could shoot lasers that were not the number lasers, but were lasers that were coming out of numbers. And one of those things was a giant duck. So I think we could all agree he's very good. Yes, that's those are very, very cool powers. I would like to see more people with duck summoning powers. Yes. So, okay. Um, there are currently 153 people on the list, right? So, sort of in the middle of that, as always, right in the middle, we've got the jewelry priestesses. He's not that good. Um, if we drop down to... What's number 100 on our list right now? Number 100 on the list, Matt, is Poison Gas Rat. Just above Poison Gas Rat is R.R. Re. And then we're up into Tofu Hermit, the Dorotabo, the TV lover, Purse Monk, Duke Trump, and Count Kaleidoscope. Okay, I think... Let's go a little below uh, number 100 then. Because right below the poison gas right is Diamond Dimension. And Diamond Dimension made um, Akko incredibly uh, greedy and want all the money. Remember? Oh, yeah. And then they had That's to, like, a very, change, very good They episode. had to, like, tie her to a chair and dump a bunch of diamonds on her to, like, oh overload my gosh, that was her, such a good her greed. Um, yeah. And PP Rop is not that good. No, PP Rap is not not nearly that good. Um, okay, we've we've actually still got some good people sort of in this zone, but there's a handful of Bara creatures that are like fine, but kind of nothing. Once we hit like the one twenties, so like right above uh, Energy Butt, who is of course the spectacular spectacular character find of 2015. We've got Bara Missler, right. Bara Mammoth, Bara Boxer. I think that uh Rapa is better than all of them yeah i agree they're they're kind of they're fun and they've got some things to, to their to their credit but they're not great um and they're not particularly imaginative i think Rapa has a lot 
Like, he's very weird, and I dig that in a monster. Um, Just above Bar Boxer is Azuki Arai the Bean Washer Ooh. from Kaka Ranger. Now, Azuki Arai the Bean Washer, if he was just his monster form, which even that was pretty good. He was like the trash can guy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fine. But in his human form, he was like pretending to be a policeman. Uh, and he had like the, his own like evil police station with like a like a crazy Dungeons and Dragons like lair underneath, and that was very good. Anyone with a lair, I think, gets extra points. So I'm gonna say not as good as Azuki Rai, but better than Bara Boxer. I think that's so that yeah. Puts, I think that's pretty yeah. solid. So that puts Pipi Rapa in at new slot 118. Which again sounds it sounds low on the list, but the list now goes down to 153. It's so, a very long list, and it's top so. heavy. Um. Anyway, in that Dave, that I think finally is going to do it for another episode of License to Car Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. Uh, that will help direct other people to the show, and then they can tell their friends. And it's like a chain letter, but good. Uh, the Super mm-hmm. Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth.